Kia ora and welcome to CircuitCast. Ko Mark Williams, Taka Wingawa. It's my pleasure to welcome you, dear listener, to the 2022 end-of-year wrap-up. With me to discuss the year that was in moving image and contemporary art in Aotearoa are three guests. Firstly, I'd like to welcome Gloriana Myers, Interim Co-Director of Totai. Kia ora, Gloriana. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, with us also today is artist, co-editor of Femisphere, a publication supporting women's art practices, and a founding member of Arts Makers Aotearoa, the ever-busy Judy Dara. Kia ora, Judy. Kia ora. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you. And last but not least is Andrew Clifford, the director of Te Uru Waitakere Contemporary Gallery. Kia ora, Andrew. Kia ora, Mark. Nice to be here. And nice to be here to celebrate the end of the year that was, to uh, go back over some of those highlights, to to talk about how things have moved on. Um, I thought maybe that's a good point to kind of start because this is, you know, the second COVID year and supposedly the year in which things kind of reopened and moved on. Perhaps, Judy, you'd like to start. How was 2022? Well, it was pretty weird and wonderful and awkward sort of coming back out into the world post-COVID. I think there was a lot of apprehension, I think. I think people felt a little bit slow about turning up and maybe going to openings or getting active again. It felt like we were sort of been waking up a bit and I didn't really kind of wasn't quite a, kind of what sure what was going to be out there, you know, what was going to be left. You know, when you walk around Auckland and you see all these closed cafes and closed businesses and things, things have definitely changed. Eh? I felt like we'd gone through some sort of portal when and the world was different. And then I was thinking, well, how does that affect art? And I was kind of thinking a lot of what I was seeing that had been curated or made pre-COVID and then presented post-COVID, there was a bit of a mismatch because the world did feel a little bit different. So that was my first sort of reaction. And then I think for me, it was just great getting back out, talking to artists, seeing artists, getting off the Zoom, being able to have one-on-ones with people. You know, for me, that was um, really important, actually, getting back into conversations again and comparing notes and, yeah. Point about audiences coming back, Gloriana. I mean, Totai is kind of opened in and around the whole COVID lifetime, really. How, how has the space developed in that time and the audience's relationship to it? You're right. We kind of opened our gallery officially in, in 2020. So we've kind of just existed as long as COVID has. And this was the first year kind of of freedom. But definitely thinking back to the beginning of the year and really just trying to wrap our heads around how to safely invite people back in and make them feel really comfortable. and yeah, try and support artists as well. I think people are really excited, though, to be able to come back into spaces again. And um, it's really exciting and lovely to have people actually come through the doors again and not just do stuff online. Yeah, people are just really hungry for the arts, um, even more now than I think than ever. Andrew, I mean, you're out west. Did you have, you know, more local people coming in perhaps? or? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's no international tourists coming through that gates been closed until very recently so that makes it look like there's a lot more locals as in terms of percentages um i feel like we're being nervously normal um it's apparently there's um more or less no restraints anymore and we all want to get back to it but obviously it hasn't gone away yet and so we're cautiously going about trying to pretend that um 
things aren't so bad anymore. Um, and it's nice to get about and to do stuff. And yeah, we've been, like Gloriana says, sort of thinking, how is it safe to start bringing people back and just cautiously putting our toe back in the water? And we haven't had any big, big events until just last weekend we had our first big, big event since the whole pandemic. And um, we were really nervous about that. But it was, a, and um, do we remember how to do this? How's it going to go? Is everyone going to be freaked out? And it was a bit like riding a bicycle. It was a big relief. But at the same time, you're still sort of anxious that um, you're taking precautions and everyone's going to be okay as case numbers start to go back up again. But yeah, the audiences are, are returning um, from far and wide and nearby as well. And I think especially we're in that unique position of being a regional scale gallery, but in the middle of the suburbs. And so we do have a very intimate um, relationship with an immediate audience um, because we're just, in, we're just the neighborhood gallery as well as being a regional gallery. And I guess that has probably been quite a comfort for the locals at least. Um, and for all the school kids that walk by every day and see the displays in the window and are starting to come back for school visits as well. Judy, what's a show that stayed with you this year? Okay, I've got two. Can I have two? You can have two. One's a silly one. Oh, great. I was lucky enough in March to go up to LA to go to the Oscars with my partner Grant for Power of the Dogs. Wow. So we were sitting there watching Next Minute We Witnessed Slapgate where Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> I tell you, it was oh God. the most real moment of that whole evening. The air was visibly sucked out of the theatre and everyone just went, oh, my God, was that real? Was that real? That wasn't real. That wasn't real. And I thought it was a perfect piece of performance art because it just changed the atmosphere in the audience. Everyone was confused about what was going on. And it just, the, the whole evening, the whole tenure of the evening changed. So that was my first, I thought, was one of the most extraordinary pieces of performance art I've ever seen. Fantastic. The um, the second thing I saw, I was very lucky, sorry, sorry, I went to um, London to see my son who escaped when the borders open, and I went to the Barbican and saw the most amazing Carolee Sheeman show. It was extraordinary because she died a couple of years ago and so they did this finally you know when an artist dies they can they get the body of work together and there it's got a beginning and an end and it was this extraordinary beautifully curated show of all her works going right back to when she was a painter a sculptor performance artist and it was just so satisfying to see this body of work being so beautifully um, presented and well respected so for me that was a real knockout as well yeah did you see, Judy, the really long interview that White Fungus did with Carolee Schneeman maybe a couple of years ago? It was like it was like a 50-page article in their magazine, and it was just one of the most extraordinary lengthy um, dialogues with her that's that's been printed. Uh, well, really I worth checking look, out. Yeah, I need to look it up. She's an incredible artist. I mean, she influenced so many generations and those performance pieces. Like she was doing performance before, you know, Will Smith, let's just say that. <laughs> Indeed, she was. <laughs> what about you, Gloriana? Did you get much time to step out of out of running Totai and actually see um, shows, or maybe there were particular shows that came through Totai that there was something there that stayed with you and was particularly memorable? Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with your um, list of two, Judy, because I was really trying to like cut it down. Um, yeah, I have a few, um, but one that I actually had the time to go and see and enjoy. <coughs> 
was Declaration, a Pacific Feminist Agenda at the Auckland Art Gallery, which was curated by Ane Tonga. And I believe it was like the first large-scale contemporary Pacific type thing in her kind of tenure at the gallery. And it was amazing. I went to the, they had kind of like a symposium day that aligned with the publication being released. And yeah, it was incredible. The The keynote speaker were three like trans Pacific wahine. And I'm like, you know, woman as well. And I don't think I've ever seen that in any, yeah, it felt like a first to me. And um, they were so kind of eloquent and interesting hearing their takes on feminism in the Pacific and a lot of it for them is just community work and looking after their local communities. Yeah. So that was a a real highlight for me. Also seeing a lot of like, for me, uh, like in the archive uh, Pacific art that I didn't really know about, like Yuki Kihara's like milk and honey performance at a sex shop, which used to be next door to us on K Road, <laughs> just like an iconic, iconic artwork. And then I guess to wrap Taotai, the Tuitu Temuana show that we had this year was definitely a highlight, I think, for Taotai. It was our first ever group show that was all Māori wahine. So I think that's really iconic or like a landmark exhibition for us being a quote-unquote Pacific Arts Organisation and also all of the artists and the artwork is gorgeous and incredibly thoughtful in its own right as well. Um, Andrew, how about you? It was interesting when you asked me about being on this and I was thinking, I haven't gone anywhere. I think we all feel like we've been stuck at home all year. Um, And then you start to think back and go, oh, I saw that and I went there and I did this. Um, So there has been a tentative return to travelling and I didn't get as far as some people, but I did finally, just um, a few weeks ago, manage to get over to Sydney to catch up with family. And although that was the primary purpose, I did manage to get to a couple of galleries. Really, really stoked that on arrival, I got to see the big Doho Su exhibition at the MCA. I've been a long-term fan of his work and didn't even know it was on until a few days prior. I saw another New Zealander post about being there. It's like, right, I've got to do that on arrival before I go out to the family ranch. And they had those huge, big, beautiful fabric architectural structures that he does that are so stunning. A heap of those. So nice to see more of those in the flesh. I've only seen a few. But also some of his video as, as moving image works, um, which I haven't seen. One where he's just vertically moving through a bo- building and it just sort of floats from floor to floor on this really slow vertical pan, if that's a, a pan technically. Um, and there's a horizontal version of it where it's just slowly going along a floor from one room to the next, just kind of stitching rooms together from one to the other um, in this sort of weird way that combines realities, which is kind of a video equivalent of what he's doing with architecture and thinking about place and home and studio and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, really, really lucky and really pleased to have caught that. And then sort of at the tail end of that very quick trip, just going out in the countryside with uh, one of my sisters, and she said, oh, well, there's a lot of arty stuff around here. Do you want to see anything? Um, I said, oh, well, we might as well see what the local regional gallery is like. And there's this lovely new place, and excuse my pronunciation, it, it has an indigenous name, Nununula, uh, which is the Southern Highland uh, Regional Gallery. I think it just opened late last year. And they had a really beautiful show, Kunka Kumpu, um, from the collection of the Art Gallery South Australia, which is touring around um, of... Um, Aboriginal women artists, um, some really stunning paintings, some woven works, um, bird figures floating in the space, and some really charming and witty 
video as well. But if I could squeeze in a sort of a local personal highlight as well, waving the Tiuru flag, it was a real honour to work with Yuki Kihara on Project Banaba, her touring um, initiative that started at Carriage Works in Sydney and has been to MTG in Hawke's Bay. Um, and we were really pleased to um, work with Yuki and Katarina Tiaiwa to bring that to Tamaki, um, where there is a significant Banaban diaspora. And each place that shows being those locations are part of the story. So it's going to places for good reason. And so through Yuki and her connections and, and Katy to um, connect with the um, local Banaban group, and facilitate with CNZ funding a whole lot of workshops in advance of the exhibition. This is public programming that the public don't get to see, a, a year-long series of enabling them to come together and share some of these skills with each other and go through a kind of cultural revitalization program and make a whole lot of stuff, which the outcome is then shown alongside the exhibition. So you've got this really gritty, gruesome story of what colonists did to Banaba Island, which has meant they pre it's pretty much uninhabitable now, and they've all been pushed out to Fiji and other places like Tamaki. But alongside that, to look at where they're at now and how they're thriving and the beautiful stuff they're making and what they're doing, because like all communities, you want to think of a better future. It sounds, uh, yeah, a fantastic experience to, to be working as part of that project, Andrew, to be presenting it. Judy, an emerging artist that caught your eye this year. Well, apart from Will Smith as a performance artist, um, <laughs> by, um, I've been really aware of artists and curation and curators as artists and artists as curators. So I, I'm sort of going to go slippery on this question. And um, I, for me, I was really impressed with um, um, Otatahi did this group exhibition called Perilous, which opened in March, which is a group exhibition where all the um, curators at the gallery collaborate and work together with the collection to make this massive top floor exhibition, which is up there for two years. So they really work the muscle of the collection and it's always an impressive piece of um, curating. Mm. So I'm really interested in that idea of um, the curator becoming artist. And I know that we've got a lot of artists who also curate. And when I think of our institutions, how many curators come from artists and what that might bring. So I guess just to twist it around a, a bit, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the, in the merging artist as, as a curator. And I think the Perilous show was a really good example where there was 90% women and it's all very local and regional and it goes way, way, way back right to their, you know, their stars, their art stars, the Anguses and all that right through to contemporary purchases that Melanie was doing at the end of it. So, yeah, I just, this is something I'm getting my head into more and more, I guess, about where, where curation is and what is the conversation between an artist and a curator and a curator and an artist. And I think that is shifting and changing. So I think for me, that's kind of like a merging artist curator conversation. Yeah. Do you feel yourself personally emerging into the curatorial space? <laughs> I don't know. Golly, <laughs> that's a toughie. Well, I do love working with curators. I mean, I had the best experience working with Heather Galbraith when we did our object space show. I mean, that was just a dream, you know, and she's come, She's she was an artist. She was my pupil at high school and, and then, you know, my pupil became my curator. So we had this lovely intergenerational kind of fold in which I really enjoyed. And, and um, 
Yeah, I just think there's, I think we're going to see more of it, actually. We're going to see more artists being curators, yeah. A lot of curating is is facilitating and, and making space for artists. And Judy, you've done a lot of that over the years with the various initiatives um, you've been behind. So I'd, I'd, I'd say you're an artist curator. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll have to go back and redo the intro now because your bio's changed in the course of this conversation, yep. Judy. Yep. <laughs> Gloriana, um, obviously Totai is providing quite a lot of support to emerging artists. Uh, is there one or even two that caught your eye this year who who who, who jumped out? Yeah, I guess so. I, again, I feel like I can't have favourites because genuinely everyone that comes through is like I'm always grateful to with and alongside all of the artists that come through but I think someone who is really I want to I don't know is cutting cutting your teeth is that a saying yeah yeah no that's <laughs> really that's like putting, yeah she's really um kind of putting herself out there and experimenting um all over Tamaki I would say is Tiara Minhinik she mm-hmm. is a Māori artist. She showed with us originally in 2020 with Saltwater Interconnectivity. And she collects whenua from her local awa in Waiaku and um, kind of transforms it and displays it in different meaningful ways. And she was in the Toy 2 Tim 1 show that I mentioned, but she's also currently downstairs at Art Space. She's also exhibiting at Seasons Gallery, some really beautiful work. Her stuff downstairs currently at Art Space. I'm not sure how long the gift and its reprisal, that's the name of the show, is on mm-hmm. for. But if you know Ada's work, it is quite compact and small. And at Art Space, uh, currently they've been kind of supersized. They're like these massive earth forms that just really take up space and envelop you, and you can walk amongst them. And yeah, I just really love Tiara and what she does. Well, that's great. It's nice to answer that question with something on now so people can hear the pod and then run over to Artspace and see it. Andrew, what about yourself? Oh, I mean, the first thing to spring to mind is always the last thing you saw. And Hidia Anderson, I'm not sure if she's still emerging. Probably not, but I've just discovered her in the last few years. Um, it makes such charming work with the sort of little domestic details that um, somehow describe where she's from and what she does and who her community is. Uh, she's got a lovely show on at Tim's right now. I just remember spotting her work in Toy 2 Toyota, really sweet and very familiar paintings of behind the scenes things like doing the dishes and the, and the farikai, the tea towels and so on. Really lovely. But also thinking in terms of that space for emerging artists, some of the emerging galleries. Uh, Moana Fresh has been around for a couple of years now, but um, for a very small space, they're doing really exciting things and in a different way. And an artist-run space that's very much focused on a retail-type um, front, but with a studio generating those things as well, I think it's really cool. I, lo- I love the artist-run space section of the art fair in the last few years. Um, the mother-mother displays been great the last two years. There's now an artist-run space from Gisborne, um, that was there this year that I tried to visit the next day because we went straight to Gisborne after the opening and, and really interesting. They explained when I spoke to them at, at the art fair that they've left where they're from and grounded themselves to be in Auckland by having half their show on concurrently in Gisborne at the same time. I thought, what a nice way to, to think about that as well. Lovely. And I, um, I'll add to that a name. Uh, I don't know if even they're an emerging artist, but a name I'd never heard before was Luther Ashford. We had a video in the Maori Moving Image show uh, down in Christchurch. 
And it was a remake of the music video for Poye, which shows the town of Patia. And it just struck me how I'd not seen a single other image of Patia apart from this music video, which came out, I don't know, 40 years ago. And I just sort of left with a really profound sense of how images can be quite, in a way, tyrannical, and they can fix an idea of something in your head. And it was really uh, wonderful that this artist had taken something that we all know and then somehow freshened it all up and and made us just see this town again. Showing it to Tui right now, by the way, just opened on the weekend. That's part of the um, Māori Moving Image karaoke project, isn't it? Which it is indeed, yeah. So it's on now in Auckland. Fantastic. Another one you can go see after this pod. <laughs> Speaking of Moving Image Works, what's Moving Image Work that each of you enjoyed this year? How about you, Judy? Okay, I'm going to throw the spanner in the works again. Um, it wasn't on. a Moving Image Work. It was a a whole lot of bodies moving in the Auckland City Art Gallery foyer. And I, I interpret that as a moving image. And that's the Tino Shingal show, which was this beautiful piece which went under the radar, wasn't advertised. Uh, people just walked through it, didn't know there was a performance going on. But it, it was quite sublime and quite beautiful and was five bodies moving, rocking, using like beat, beat voice kind of sounds and... It was very transformative and very meditative and mesmerizing. And they pulled out some like, it felt, felt like Henry Moore's and Epworth sculptures from the, the darkened galleries and put them on plinths out in the light in the foyer. So it was this really beautiful, um, it, it was like, you know, it, it did feel like a moving image because they were moving very slowly within this contained space. There was sound. It was dreamy. Yeah, that was my that was my takeout. Apart from Netflix, <laughs> Tino Segal's works are always amazing to encounter, and it, you actually remind me, um, Judy, that uh, about ten years ago, Andrew and myself were part of a contingent of three curators in Asia, and we I think we were at the Guangzhou Biennale, Andrew, and then suddenly out of nowhere, a, a group of people started dancing around us, singing, "This is so contemporary. This is so oh, contemporary." Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're an artist that uh, resists resists documentation. So, you know, whenever, whenever the work occurs, it is always mm. such a fresh kind of vibrant experience. Gloriana, what about you, a moving image work, whether rendered on an LCD screen or completely in ephemeral means such as Judy? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, I love that you mentioned um, Māori moving image because I got to see it at the Christchurch Art Gallery when I was in the South Island this year. And the one piece that really stood out to me was the, when you're at the Christchurch iteration of the show, I'm not sure about um, in Dunedin, when you first kind of walked into the space was Rachel Dykena's work. So it's like a 16 channel video that starts off um, like drone footage of the river and you're kind of seeing all these different overhead visuals of, of the river and the soundscape is kind of mild. And then it kind of switches to all of these kind of young rangatahi doing kapaka under the water. And, you know, the editing is like gets a little bit more kind of sporadic and uh, it really kind of like builds up momentum. But it was great. What a way to enter into the show and really like, I think, capture the energy of, of the rest of it. And my partner, who's like not a big, you know, I kind of drag him along to all of these <laughs> places. <laughs> that was um, an artwork that he still talks about. So I always oh, think that's a really, fantastic. really a gold star. Yeah, I guess 
if I could add one more thing that's kind of um, moving image, kind of, I guess so. Uh, RNZ did a series uh, called Amplified uh, quite recently, and they look at different local uh, Kiwi artists who kind of relate to Whakapapa in their um, music making. But each of the episodes was directed by um, different kind of young emerging directors. I think all of those are really beautiful. So if you haven't seen the Amplified series on RNZ, I highly recommend. Nice one. Andrew, how about you? A moving image work. Um, I think Gus Fisher Gallery always does a really nice job of having strong moving image elements in their shows. It's not easy when you're creating, especially group shows, um, to create space for projections or to do it well or have the sound, but they always do a really nice job. And one of their shows this year was called Turning a Page, Starting a Chapter. And just one work in each of those key spaces, a really lovely hanging textile week work by Jade Townsend. Um, the nice uh, video work, they built a whole space within the space in the foyer for Siani Faleto um, with uh, quite customary tight motifs that were actually derived from the sounds recorded in that space, translated into image. Um, but in particular, I remember Anna Iti, who had the big room, and it's not easy to do that big room well if you're in there on your own. Um, and it wasn't a huge projection as a strategy to fill it. In fact, it was a double projection, but each panel was vertical and slightly tilted. Um, and the easiest way to explain it is to explain what it was about, which was that it was mimicking a book form. So it was like you had an open book sitting there at the end of the space, each a projection, not necessarily mirrored, um, but really nicely done, sat there quite elegantly i had that one down too actually andrew that was absolutely a, a knockout piece of elegant installation making such a, a beautiful merging of concept and materiality and you know the the luxury of all that space as well that was uh that you could move into into the the installation um but i also want to take a little leaf out of uh, judy's book here and um mention i guess partly moving image work for the year but also partly an experience I went to the Wairoa Māori Film Festival earlier this year, which is uh, New Zealand's oldest Indigenous film festival, and it takes place at the Gaiety Theatre in Wairoa um, and also at the Ngāti Kahanunu Marae. And this was, you know, uh, really wonderful to be able to show a bunch of Kahanunu artists who are on circuit and their work there. But the really standout event for me was in the Gaiety Theatre one evening. It was about there was a program about ten o'clock at night. And we showed a work which was uh, by Kauri Fariwera, which um, we'd commissioned for Matariki. And the work was projected. And the audience, I think, is mostly, you know, uh, used to seeing kind of narrative works. And this work was silent. The work played for about a minute. And then suddenly somebody broke into a wire and then the whole movie theater burst into a wire to accompany this uh, artist video. So it was really one of the most, you know, remarkable and kind of moving moments in my uh experience of showing moving image works so that was lovely so what else did anybody read something this year that stayed with them uh well i want to give um heads up to all the amazing arts writing that's going on in the metro magazine at the moment man that is a game changer in terms of you know solid pretty solid interesting um up-and-coming arts writers so yeah heads up on that and also, the art paper, which is now in its fourth um, yeah. edition. And again, it's independent publishing. Um, 
it's it's the next generation. Um, it's it's really fresh writing and opinionated. So yeah, for, for me, I'm I'm always looking forward to those two things. So it's Tendai Mutambu uh, driving Metro and Becky Hamis driving the art paper. That's um, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm amazed at how many issues of the art paper have already come out. Anybody else? Any any reading or publishing that's come your way this year, Gloriana? Yeah, I guess riffing off what Judy said, um, I was going to shout out to Marinade, which is like a new journal edited by Lana Lopesi and Ioana Gordon-Smith. I actually have it here. I know this is an um, audio uh, <laughs> medium, but um, yeah, gorgeous design by Extended Far Now. But yeah, Marinade, Aotearoa Journal of Moana Art. It's their first ever issue. Um, and like Judy said, it's always amazing to see more art writing but even more exciting to see Pacific art writing. It's like untapped, untapped potential um, and something that can definitely be grown. So it's exciting that there's, that exists. And then I read How to Loiter in a Turf War by uh, Coco Solid or Jessica Hansel, which is a beautiful book and I think everyone should read it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. How to Loiter in a Turf War, great title, fantastic. Yeah, yeah Coco is a force, must check that one out. Andrew, any writing caught your eye this year? Oh, oh How to Loiter in a Turf War is top of my um, reading list for, for, for summer. As soon as we get some time out, it looks like one that's going to, you won't put it down until you're done and it's not going to take very long. So that'll ease me into this kind of a reading moment. But also just to echo what, what Judy said about um, how good it is to have um, some solid writing coming out through new avenues. Uh, the art papers are really great fresh new voice but also i think it's so important to have some space carved out in a mainstream publication like metro because it is so hard to get the arts out there beyond our own vehicles like this one and our own art publications and self-published things which we circulate i think the wider population are just oblivious to so much of what's happening and how are we going to build support for the visual arts if they're not ever hearing about it's never ever on the news or any of those sort of spaces so um yeah, I know, I know it's funded and subsidised, and I, I guess that's necessary, um, but good on Metro for taking that on and, and making some space, and hopefully that continues to be the case. Someone once said to me once, what would it be like if we took sports off the news and made that an arts and culture segment, and they interviewed the incoming director of Totai or something like that? As I always make that comparison, the amount of dedicated time that some things have in comparison to what's ne- not getting that airspace. Yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. I thought I might sort of conflate our final two points into one and you can kind of choose which which axis you'd like to pursue or, or both, I guess. But um, I'm interested in any kind of surprises or new trends that came up this year in the art world. Uh, to follow on from the sport analogy, I just thought the Black Ferns was an incredible piece of exciting, invigorating, joyous um, spectacle. Um, and... I would just I, I was I went to the final and I was pretending to myself that all the people in the stadium were cheering for the arts. And every time <laughs> someone oh it was for the arts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um any new trends, well, I think I don't want to be negative, but we we are sort of looking at a bit of a um a, a bit the, the precarity just got more precarious in terms of I think where we're going in terms of like where's the money, how do we get the money? The funding issues, you know, all of those things are still with us in terms of how do we sustain, how do we flourish. So for me, 
I think there's no new trends. I think they're just probably the old trends that we, but, but maybe no, on a positive note, we had a really good hui on Saturday at Soma House Library and with a whole lot of artists and collectives turned up and, and we all decided that what we need to do more of is um, share resources and talk to each other and collectivize and say, what do we need and how do we all work together to get it? So for me, I think that felt like something was in the air in terms of all working together. So I'm holding on to that hope. That's a nice way to look forward to 2023, Judy. Gloriana, what about you? Any surprises or emergent trends in the art world this year? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I struggled with this one. I guess I don't know if that means like nothing is surprising or if everything has just felt really like nice to see. But yeah, I definitely like to echo what Judy said about way more conversations about like collaboration and community. We've been having quite a lot of that just our K Road Fano. Obviously, some more houses across the road, and Studio One has just opened their new space on Karangahape while they have renovations at their Ponsonby One site. So, and obviously, there's always a pro- proliferation of gallery spaces and art spaces on Karangahape, but it's really exciting to have those conversations. And um, yeah, I just look forward to, to more collaboration in the future. And I kind of think that's something that's kind of yeah, maybe that could be a trend. I think more artists like coming together and making stuff work for them rather than like waiting around. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Nice. Andrew, how about yourself? Yeah, collaboration and collegiality is definitely the way forward. Um, it's not about rivalry and competitiveness. Um, I think through the pandemic, the need to pull together has hopefully shifted um, some of our approaches to those sorts of things. Judy's right. We're not out of the woods yet. And I, and I worry about um, the precariousness um, that we've kind of battled our way through, not being over yet. Uh, and it's quite likely that there's some even tougher times ahead with potential recession and so on. And there's already little noises coming out of certain governing bodies uh, about where cuts costs might be cut and what might be sold. So that's a real worry. I, I, we've got to really rally together and, and make sure that it's clear how important the arts are to our community. Entities and it's not an easy win for budgets because the longer term damage if we lose this is far more substantial. But out of that, I think it's really nice to see some optimism and fresh things still emerging. And and we have in the last year seen Wido open up in Whangarei as as part of the Hundred Vasa Art Centre and, and a new platform there um, for for different voices. Um, Bergman Gallery have now set up shop in Tamaki from their Rarotonga base um, and really fabulous to see that stable um, in our neighbourhood as well. Season, downtown, what Jade and Francis are doing. Um, and yeah, the, as we were saying before, the sort of seeming reinvention of art space and Tautai as they sort of shuffle around that building and with new directors in place too. And there's a whole new approach with K Road having largely been rebuilt too. I think there's a bit of a but it's a new vibe there. And I'm sure there's spaces opening in the new year that we haven't heard about yet. Or So I, I know there's um, Kim Meredith, I think, is about to open something at the top of Simon Street, which will properly get going next year. So long may that continue. Um, things may get tough, but I don't think um, that, en- that energy that we have in the arts um, can fully be suppressed. And I hope that remains the case. It's a nice way to end. Thank you, everyone, for your thoughts about about the year that was and also that uh, 
cautious optimism about 2023 as well. And uh, the uh, road of solidarity, I think, is definitely a good one to follow. Nervous normality. <laughs> okay, I'll give, I'll call the podcast Nervous Normality. There you go, Andrew. <laughs> all right, kill everyone. Uh, thank you for listening to CircuitCast. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to all of our guests today, who were Andrew Clifford, Gloriana Myers, and Judy Dara. We'll see you all again in 2023. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora.